Welcome to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. We are now in our God is Able Sermon Series. In this life, it is so easy for us to settle for the ordinary. We wake up and typically have the same routine every single day. Yet our God created us to live an extraordinary life. There is no one in the world exactly like you, and God wants you to reach your full potential. This involves us growing deeper and deeper into Christ while following Him every day. His plans for us are immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. So let's trust Jesus and live out our extraordinary lives. Let's listen in. All right. Well, good morning. If you want to go ahead and grab your Bibles, uh, we're going to uh, open up to Acts chapter 2. That's where we were last week. We'll finish up the last part of Acts chapter 2 uh, this morning. We've been in a series called God is Able, uh, where we've worked through the the passage, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, and we kind of looked at other passages to kind of enlighten and open up our eyes to what is happening here in this passage. And and each week we've started uh, by reading this passage of Scripture, this Ephesians passage together. We just heard it uh, in the bumper there, Uh, but we've we've read it together because, one, in in reading God's Word, there's something special about reading God's Word. When the church reads God's Word together, there's something special about that. And secondly, because we've been challenged to memorize uh, got this passage uh, over these six weeks as we're studying through it. And so uh, this is week five. We've got one more week. If you haven't memorized it yet, you've got one more week. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to read it together. And I think it'll come on the screen for us so that we can kind of read this together. And three, two, one. There we go. And here it is. Let's read together. It says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church, and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Well, you got again, I, I, I tell the, the staff that you guys are the best uh, each week, that you've got an A-plus on the memorization. Uh, and so, you know, like, don't, don't let me down. Everybody's going to have to come up one at a time next week and actually do it. It's kind of like a spelling bee. Uh, and no, that's not true. I wouldn't do that uh, to myself, much less to you. So, um, but we, as we've kind of taken bites at a time, little, little small bites at a time through this passage, and first week we talked about now to him and just kind of meditated on the fact that God, this, it, it all starts with him. It's him that we're praying to, that we're bringing our, our, these needs before. And it says the him who is able and meditating on, on him, on God who is able. And we, we challenged, we were challenged that week and week two to, to pray bold, specific, faith-filled prayers to, to believing that God is able and willing to answer answer those prayers and and move on our behalf. Week three, we talked about to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, that that he's able to do so much more than we can even come up with in our our wildest dreams. Week four, last week, we talked about this power that works within us, the the Holy Spirit's power that works in us. And, And because the Holy Spirit's power works in us, there's no limit to what God can do in us and through us for his glory. And this week, we're going to take that next that next bite of the passage is kind of the first, first part of chapter of verse 21 where it says, To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. And the first verse 20, when he starts, he says, To him, and he's, he says, We're gonna we're gonna pray to him. And now he's saying we're gonna give our, we're gonna direct our praise to him. The first we're directing our prayer, but now we're directing our praise to him. And again, we're going to go to Acts 2 and we'll kind of look at uh, this end, to the, the end of Acts chapter 2 and these, the 41 through 47. And just what does a healthy church look like that gives God all the glory? 
Because this passage, what it says that to him, we want to give God a church that gives God all the glory. What does a healthy church look like that gives God all the glory? And we'll, again, we'll look at Acts chapter two. I think it'll kind of help us understand that. But two things I want to establish before we move to that from this Ephesians passage is first, that we give God all the glory because he deserves all the glory. And just as we, you know, he's directing the first part of this passage, he says in, in, in Ephesians 3, 20, he says, pray to God. He's, he's directing that prayer to God. And now he's directing the praise, all this praise, all of the glory goes to God because he's the one that deserves it. I mean, scripture tells us that to him, he created all things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether on thrones or powers or rulers or authority, all things were created through him or by him, and they're created for him. It's what it tells us in Colossians. And in Psalms, it tells us, great is the Lord, most worthy, most worthy to be praised. He's, he's the one, he, he deserves the glory and the praise. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. There's no one like him. He's the creator and sustainer of all things. He deserves that praise. And secondly, what this passage is telling us and and what we understand from this Ephesians passage and as we turn to the Acts passage to kind of open this up is, is that the church is God's plan A for God receiving glory. That the church is God's plan A for God receiving glory. This is what God desired. This is why God created the church. That that Christ, it says that Christ came to bring glory to the Father. That's what Jesus tells us that he did. That he came to bring glory to the Father and the church, the body of Christ that we understand throughout Scripture, that the body of Christ that, that Christ established exists to do the same things that Christ did. And that's to bring glory and honor to God. That we exist as a church, as, as the, the big C church, the church all, all across the globe, but this church right here uh, at Riverside Elementary, that we exist, we exist for the glory of God. We don't exist for numbers. We don't exist for programs. We don't exist for cool buildings, even though we're going to get one in just a couple of weeks. It's awesome. We don't exist for those things. We exist for the glory of God, to bring glory and honor to him. As the prophet, the Old Testament prophet Isaiah says, that his name and his renown is the desire of our heart. It's what we desire to do. It's what what the church was created to do. That God's church is God's plan A, his primary mode of, of receiving worship and glory and the spread of his name to the end of time. And so what does a healthy church that glorifies God look like? And again, for that, we're going to look at Acts chapter 2. But before we jump to there, I want to pause and just ask the Lord to, to bless our time together as we continue to work through his word. Lord, we pray this morning for the time that we spend in your word that you would open our eyes, you would open our ears, that we could hear what you have for us, that we could see in your word the beautiful things, that you would stir in our hearts, Lord, a, a longing and a love, that you would, you would whet our appetite and to desire you more and to, to know you more, that you would stir in us a greater love for you that would be evident in greater obedience to you no matter what the cost. And Father, I pray for this time that we spend in this, this passage, especially as we look at Acts chapter 2 and the ending, this, just what has been for centuries now, for at least two centuries now, that kind of a, a blueprint of what a healthy church looks like. 
I pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you would have for us this morning as a church and as individuals. And it would be all for your glory and your honor and your praise. It's in Christ's strong and mighty name that we pray. Amen and amen. So as we turn to Acts chapter 2, remember uh, last week we really worked through the first 41 verses of this, kind of what happened on this day of Pentecost, right? We talked about the disciples, Jesus' followers were together in one place, and during that time it was a time of festival, the Pentecost, it was 50 days after the Passover celebration, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ that happened in that. It was very significant, all of those things. And the sound like a rushing wind and what seemed to be tongues of fire rested on the disciples, the Holy Spirit pours out on them. They begin declaring the wonders of God in tongues that were not their, not their language, but other languages of those who were around. And so these people hear about who God is and all of these, all the wonderful things about God that are, that are from all these other places. And it's incredible. And, and then Paul or Peter stands up along with the other disciples and he declares the gospel and their hearts are, are, are cut to the, to the, it says that they're, they're cut to the heart in that, in that moment. And they repent and they're saved. And it says that 3,000 people were added to their number in that day. And so what happens next is what we said a second ago is it begins, is the blueprint, has really been a blueprint for, for the church for over two centuries of what a healthy church that glorifies Christ looks like. And what it says, if you look at verse 42, it says this, that they devoted. Now this is the 3,000 people, the 3,000 so people that, that trusted Christ for salvation that were added to their number that day said they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. And they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so as we look at this passage, we're just asking that question, what does it look like? What does a healthy church that glorifies God looks like? Or what what happens in that church? And I think that there's four things. If you're following along in your worship guide, we'll fill these out. You can take some other notes there. The first one is this, that, that a healthy church that glorifies God gives glory through their growth. And I think, let's see, yeah, good. I changed this last minute, so I'm glad Alex picked it up. I, I, I kind of worked on so a, couple different, uh, a couple different things. And uh, originally I, I, was, I said learning because I was trying to be cool and have all INGs at the end of this. But it, it, whatever, I think it, it, it fits better by saying growth. Because learning, I mean, we learn a lot of stuff, but that doesn't mean we're growing all the time. We're, but a healthy church that's glorifying God does so by our growth. And, and many of you know... Uh, just from my, just being around a little bit. Uh, if you don't know, I, God has blessed me and by his grace, I, I was uh, allowed and able to marry a, a beautiful woman who loves me and, and cares for me. And she still doesn't understand, it's like she still is blind to the fact that I'm uh, ugly and weird and all those things. And that's, that's God's grace too. And 19 years ago, we, we, we were married, almost 19 years ago. And by God's grace, again, we had three children, three wonderful, incredible kids. And I remember like it was yesterday, actually over the past couple of days, we, we've been kind of, because all of our kids are out of elementary school. And it's just, I mean, there's probably been more tears in my house in the past week and a half as we're from my wife. I don't cry. The, um, 
But it just, just, I remember clearly holding them on that first day. The, 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 how exciting and how joyful and how fearful I was in that first moments of their, of their life with us in, in, in flesh when we get to hold them and how sweet though and special those moments were. But as sweet and special as those moments were, 17 or almost 17, almost 15 and almost 12 years ago, if they had not grown, if they still acted like infants in the same way that they acted those first days and those first hours when we hold them, if they still functioned that way, it would no longer be exciting the same way it was then. It would no longer be sweet the same way it was then. Because if they still functioned and acted like that, they would not be grown. There would be something wrong. It wouldn't be cute. Even if, there, even if there wasn't something wrong and they acted like that, I'd be like, you got to grow up. This is weird. Right? It wouldn't be cute anymore because, because they're not meant to stay that size. They're not meant to act that way. They were meant to grow up, to act, to grow and, and mature and act, a diff, act at their age. And even, I mean, I understand that boys don't really get past 12 in maturity. So, you know, girls, you're, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, I think I got to 15. It's probably about as mature as I ever got. But, but the reality is that, that we were meant to grow and mature. And sadly, what I see most so often in the church is that people don't grow up. Maybe you get older, but you're not growing and maturing in your faith. You, you, you're not growing up in the way that, that God desires us to grow up. And this passage teaches us quite simply what it means. is What, what this passage tells us is that in order for us to glorify God, we have to grow up into, into this relationship with Christ. We grow up and we mature as believers. We glorify God and we grow in our knowledge and our wisdom of who God is and his word. These early, these early believers committed themselves to the study of God's word, to the teachings of the apostles, and they grew in their relationship with Christ. They became mature believers in Ephesians, it tells us this. So, so Christ himself gave apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers to do what? To equip the people, meaning the body, the church, to equip the people for works of service so that the body, so that the church of Christ may be built up until they reach unity in their faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the full measure of Christ. In Romans, it says that, that, they, that, they, that we conform to the image of God, meaning that we mature in our, and we grow in Christ until our actions and our attitudes look more like Christ's actions and attitudes. The goal, what, we, what we're looking for is to grow in our relationship with Christ. And that's what happens as these, as these individuals that are added to their number, that 3,000, they, they commit they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and to prayer and to all of these things, and they grow in their relationship with Christ. They mature, and in maturity and growing, they glorify God because we glorify God in our, in our maturity and our growth. And if you've been around me for a little while, and, and if, you, if you are around for any longer, you're going to hear me say these things a, long time, a lot, because I think even right here, it tells us very clearly the way that they grow is very clear. First, it, the, the three things that I th that, that's clear in this passage is that they grow, they devoted themselves to time with God in his word and to prayer. The first two things that they devoted themselves was to time with God in his word and to time with God in prayer. 
If you want to grow in your relationship with God and you're not spending time with God in his word or spending time with God in prayer, there's, you should expect, you should not expect to grow and mature in your relationship with Christ. I mean, I, as I meet people and you have conversations with them and you feel like, they're like, I just want to grow and I want to, I want to become more like Christ. Well, if, if you're not pray, spending time with God in his word and spending time with God in prayer, you should not expect those things. Because that's what he's given us so that we can grow. And the second thing, or third thing, is that they spent time with God's people in community and worship. If you're not spending time with God in, in his word and in prayer and spending time with God's people in community and in worship, then you should expect to not grow. But if you're doing those things, if, you're, if you devoted yourself to what these individuals and in acts devoted themselves to and in what's a blueprint for us to spending time with God in his word, to spending time with God in prayer, and to spending time with God's people in community and worship, then then in those things, we begin to grow in likeness and mature in our relationship with Christ. We grow and we glorify God when we do those things, when we spend time with him in his word and in, in, with him in prayer and with his people in community and in worship. So we, the first thing that we see is that we glorify God in our growth. The second thing that's in this passage, I believe, that as we read through it, that we see is that we glorify God through our love that God is glorified by the way that we love. So if you have your worship God, we give glory to God through our love, especially in this context, the context of this passage, really what he's talking about is loving one another. Loving one another. Listen to what it says, Acts, 20, uh, 20, Acts chapter 2, verse 44. It says, all the believers were together and had everything in common, and they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. This passage really goes back, this passage and, and kind of points, points us back to one of my favorite passages that I, that I go back to a, a fair amount when we talk about loving one another. In John chapter 13, these are some, some of the last words that Jesus shares with his disciples before, he's, before his arrest and trial and crucifixion. And, and so they're important words to them, but they're also important words to us. Listen to what he says. He tells them, a new command I give you, love one another. As, as I have loved you, you must also love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Three times he says it, love one another. And he's speaking to his disciples. He's saying to his disciples, to the 12, and, and it's going to be 11 and just out, just a little bit of time from there, to this 12, he's going to say, this is how people are going to know that you belong to me, that you're a part of this group, that, you're, that what started three years ago as he gathered these disciples in this, this wave of, of him spreading the, the truth of God's word as he, as he ministers across the Galilean countryside. He says, they're going to know that you belong to me by the way you love one another. He's, he's not saying, it, obviously he's saying, yes, we're going to love everyone always and it's going to certainly love all of those people and our neighbors. He tells us to love our neighbors just as we love ourselves. But he says, listen, I want you to understand the, these two passages point to this reality that if we're going to be known outside as people who belong to Jesus, it's going to be because we love one another inside the church well. He's a, those people out there, as he's, as he's with them these last moments of his life, those people out there are going to know that you belong to me by the way you love the people in this room. I believe that, that what we have to grasp is that 
Yes, again, we love our neighbors and we love our community, but we look foolish to the world when we say that we love Colombia and that we're for Colombia and we're for our neighbors and we love this community if we don't love each other inside this inside of this room the way that Christ has called us to love each other. That they will know outside of these walls that we belong to him because of the way that we love each other inside of these walls. And right now we don't have an issue with that, but I've been a part of plenty of churches that do. I've seen churches fall apart because they, they don't love each other well. And so I'm, I, it, rather than waiting until there is something that comes up, I want to preemptively strike in this to say, hey, listen, we've got to make sure that we take care of one another. It's attractive to the world. It's attractive to our culture to see people who love each other well, the way that people loved each other here, to say that, hey, I'm gonna hold loosely to my things to make sure that other people's needs are supplied for because I love them well. And I'm gonna take it a step further and, and say this, that not only do we love, and love each other inside of this, these walls, but I wanna say this, that if we don't love each other inside of our homes well, and we look foolish to the world. I mean, one of the greatest witnesses to our neighbors and to the people that we work with is the way that we treat the people inside of our own home. The way that we love one another inside of our own home. So just application-wise, just think about what it looks like. Think about what it looks like to our, to our neighbors and to the people that we work with. If husbands, we're always saying negative things about our wife. If we say we love everyone always, but if we talk about our wives negatively at, the, at work, are we, what, what are we telling these people that we work with? Wives, if you don't respect and honor and love your husband to the people that are, and I think it's so ridiculous how many times I'm on Instagram, that's part ridiculous, but also ridiculous when I listen to people talk negatively about their spouses on Instagram and on these, and all these places and just disrespect the way that, disrespect who they are on these social media platforms. No, that's not what we do. If we love each other, not only in here, but in our homes, that world will know that we belong to him by the way that we love. I used to love student ministry. One of those in student ministry, when kids would come back from camp, and there was a, church, a certain camp that we would go to, and we went always during the school season or during, during school, and it would, they'd come back, and kids would be on fire. And, and you would know, to, to me, I would know that a kid really, their lives had been transformed when their parents would tell me that they were different. I didn't really care what the teacher said. That was fine. That was at school. When their parents told me that they were obedient at home, I knew that something was different. When, they, when their parents said that they were respectful to the, to the, when the kids were respectful to their parents. So listen, if you kids, if you want to love well, if you want the world to know that, that, that Christ lives inside of you, then loving your parents and respecting and honoring them the way that scripture tells them, speaking to, speaking to them in honor and respect and speaking about them with honor and respect is one of the greatest ways the world will know that you belong to Jesus. We, if, we do, if we love each other well on the inside, in here, then the world will know, our culture will know that we belong to him. My son sent me this after a week where maybe he saw in me something that wasn't a reality of things that I'm even confessing or saying out loud here on the stage this morning. 
He sent, my son sent me this passage this week, and, and it was just, it, it really cut me to the heart, and it got added to the sermon later because I realized that what I was preaching about and what I actually was doing was not the same just because he sent me this in a reminder of the way that we love each other. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says, If we speak in tongues of men or angels but do not have love, we're a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. If we have the gift of prophecy and fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and we have faith that can move mountains, but we don't have love, we are nothing. If I give all my possessions to the poor and give my body over to hardship that I may, that I may boast and do not have love, I gain nothing. That if we say a lot of words, but we don't love, love everyone always, certainly, but if it's not evident in the way that we love those in our home, in the way that we love those inside the body, then we are a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal to our culture. To our kids at home, we, we are nothing. To our spouse, we have, we've gained nothing if we don't love each other well. The church that glorifies God, individuals that glorify God, Glorify him through the way that we love. The third thing is that we give glory to God through our worship. Verse, verse 46, it says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. One pastor that I, Ray Pritchard, who I love and, and, and go to regularly just in trying to help understand what what scripture is talking about on a regular basis. He said this about this passage. He said, worship played a vitally, a vitally important role in the early church. Our, tech make, our text makes it clear in two ways. In verse 42 and in verse 46, it mentions that they break bread together, probably referring to sharing a meal after, or a meal followed by the Lord's Supper. In verse 47, it adds that they praise God. And so this whole passage seems to suggest that there was an atmosphere of praise and worship that permeated the early church. They didn't just have one stated worship service, but evidently they gathered daily to sing and to praise and to share the Lord's Supper together. And one gets the sense that their, at, their worship was very active. And I think this passage gives us a good insight about what it looks like, what, it looked, what, what the early church looked like, and, and what it meant to worship in the early church, that, that their worship was encouraging to the hearts of the believers, that it was joyful and celebratory, that there was, a, there was just a joy about being around each other. And we're not talking about that, that life was all great and everything was good, They're just, but there was a joy that permeated the people of God who worshiped together. John Stott, uh, another pastor and theologian from many, many years ago, says this, that uh, about being the joyful nature of, of worship in Acts, he says that worship is to be both joyful and reverent, that it is right in public worship to be dignified, but is unforgivable to be dull. And how many of us have been in churches where it's just dull? where it's sad, where it's like, why are we mad about worshiping Jesus? Where there's no joy in, in, in the songs that we sing, because it, and, and I love it, that it's unforgivable, un, <laughs> it's easy for you to say, that it's unforgivable to be dull in our worship. 
Because worship, what, it, what worship is, is this joyful, it, it means, it doesn't mean just act, act, putting a smile and acting like it's okay, like everything is fine, but it's understanding that the one we're coming before is the King of kings and the Lord of lords and all that he's done for us, that he's the maker of heaven and earth. And by his grace, he's invited us to come before him. Listen to what it says in Psalms. He says that when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, Right, and, and he's restored our fortunes. He's restored what, what was broken. He's restored. And so listen, he says, we were like those who dreamed. That for those who've been restored to Christ, those who've been restored by God to Jesus, by, by Jesus to God in a relationship, it's like we're in a dream. That our mouths are filled with laughter, with joy, and our song and, and our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations that the Lord has done great things for them and the Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. See, worship is this consistent, intentional recognition and celebration of who God is, of all that he's done and all that he's promised to do that results in this deep joy and gladness and celebration in our hearts. And we glorify God by our worship we glorify God by our worship. And, and, and it's not just in the, in, the, in the times that we gather in these places. It, 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 well, I, I do believe that, that worship is, is, not, is more than a service, that a set-aside time on Sunday mornings where we gather right now at Riverside Elementary and in just a couple of weeks at, on Casey Lane where we'll gather together. I, I, I do believe that it's more than that, but it's, it is not less than that. Worship is the life that we lead, but it is also the time that we gather in these places. It's important for us to gather together. We said it a second ago that if we want to grow and mature in our relationship with Christ, then we're going to do it by spending time with God in, worship, in, in his word and spending time with God in prayer and spending time with God in worship where we come together, we celebrate together because we need each other in these moments. There's Sundays that I need you as, I'm, as, I'm, as we're singing these songs. I need to look over and know the story that you're walking through and see you singing and, and praising the Lord. And your, your song of praise becomes my song of praise because I know what you've gone through. And you know what I've gone through. And if I can lift my hands, then you can lift your hands because we've lived life together in community and we live life together as the body and we worship together and we need each other in those places. The last thing, as we work through, we, we glorify God through our growth, through our love for one another, through our worship of him who is worthy, and lastly, through our reaching. We glorify God through our reaching. We see in this passage that in verse 47, they praise God and enjoy the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You go back to the beginning of chapter 1, verse 8, when Jesus is talking to the disciples right before he's ascended, and he says this. Listen to these words. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And we talked about this in the very first as we've walked through this, that this happened, right? He tells them that they're going to receive power. Next chapter, it, probably 10, 15 days later, they receive the power that he promised. And then it says this. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
So two things are going to happen. This is what Jesus says. You're going to receive power. The Holy Spirit's going to come on you. That's happened. We've just read. We read through that. And listen, if you've trusted Christ for salvation, we've said this over the past several weeks. If you've trusted Christ for salvation, the same Holy Spirit that descended on the disciples that day in Acts chapter 2 descended on you. You have the Holy Spirit. It dwells inside of you. So the same Spirit that dwelled inside of them dwells inside of you. And he says, you receive power of the Holy Spirit. We've all gotten that. And next step, you will be my witnesses. That first, the first thing that they would do after they trust Christ for salvation is that they would be witnesses to the nation, to the nations, to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth of what God had done in them. So we glorify God in our reaching out to others. Jesus himself, this, this goes back to what Jesus himself does in, in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. Jesus says that the Son of Man comes to seek and to save the lost. So we do, we do this. The church, Christ came to seek and save the lost, to restore the broken of relationship, that was, the, the brokenness that sin had caused. He restored that relationship. Christ is the one who models for the church, leaving the 99 and going to search for the one. And because this is what Christ did, it's what the church does. Christ in going after the lost glorified God and the church as the body of Christ goes after the lost, reaches the lost, and in that we glorify the Lord. If we want to grow, if we want, if, if, if we want to glorify the Lord with everything in, in our lives, if, if, that's what we, if that's what God's called us to do, then we've got to be a church that reaches out. And I think about this right now, just on the, on the edge of us being in a new, a new place, in a new part of town, in a new building on the other side of town where maybe they don't know who we are yet. And I think about right now in a mile radius around the Casey Lane, on 611, 6111 Casey Lane, a mile radius around there, how many people are sitting in their houses right now on a Sunday morning that do not yet have a relationship with Jesus? that do not yet know Christ. A dad that watched Tennessee football yesterday is sitting in his recliner and his, his, all of the joy and the hope of Tennessee winning yesterday is gone today because he doesn't, he, that, that doesn't satisfy for long. It does satisfy some of y'all. I know you're smiling, you're real happy, blah, blah, blah. Go Tigers. It only satisfies for a moment. The joy of whatever happened yesterday or last night or last week, it only satisfies for a moment. And what they're looking for today is something that's deeper. And they think they're going to find it when the Titans start playing on Sundays, but they're not going to find it there either. What they're longing for is a relationship with Christ, a relationship they were meant for. And we as a church that's healthy, that glorifies God, glorifies God by reaching out. And we don't, we're not, we don't want a new building on Casey Lane just so, that, just so that we have a new building. We don't want a new building on Casey Lane just so that we can have an opportunity to grow and get bigger. That's not, that's not why we exist. We exist to glorify God, and we glorify God by reaching out to the lost. I'm going to put an emphasis on this, and then we're going to wrap up and invite the band to come up here. Emphasis on something that we've got to understand and, and I, what has to break our hearts just a little bit this morning is this. He says that he was added to their number daily those who were being saved. Daily those who were being saved. 
And if we're thinking about that, if we're understanding what those words, what we need to put an emphasis on is the fact that those individuals that we're thinking about, those individuals that are in a mile radius around the church, and we just, I just want to kind of put that as a, hey, this is, this is what we're going to focus on over the next year, over the next two years. Just we want to reach everyone within, within this radius around 6111 Casey Lane. That what, he says that those who are being saved And what we're going to stand firm on is this, that if you don't have a relationship with Christ, then you don't have any hope of eternity with Christ. And we're going to stand firm on this, that that what we're we're proclaiming is that that sin broke something deep inside of us, that sin broke it. In in Genesis chapter 3, everything falls apart, and that same sin that broke it is, is, is... perpetuated until today and we're all broken because of sin and what we desperately need is Christ to restore what was broken. And if we don't have a relationship with Christ, if you've not put your faith in Jesus, then you are not saved. That he came to rescue and restore what was broken. And we want our, our heart, I want our hearts to break our hearts to be full on, as we said a second ago, that his name and his renown is the desire of our hearts and our hearts break on the other side, that there, that there are places and there are people right in our community that do not yet know him. And because they don't yet know him, their eternity, the promise that they have for eternity is an eternity separated from him. Until they put their faith in him. So we're going to proclaim very clearly the gospel which rescues and restores. And maybe this morning you don't, you, you don't know that relationship yet either. And as we pray, I, I, I want to I ask you just to maybe think about where you are with Christ personally. And maybe you have not put your faith in Jesus. And if that's you, I would invite you to have a conversation. I'd love to have a conversation with you at the end of the service. Actually, I'm going to go ahead and at the end of the service, we're going to have some of our prayer team here on the side. If you're on the prayer team, you know A6C3. I just need you to be here on the side for just a moment just to connect with somebody that would need to have a conversation about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. But as I pray, I'm going to pray for the same thing that we prayed last week, for that one person that's on our hearts this morning. That one person that's, that's within that mile radius of 6111, maybe by God's grace, he's stirring in their hearts today. And just a couple weeks from now, they're going to show up at the new building and meet the one that their hearts are longing for even right now. So let's pray together. And then we're going to continue in worship through, our, through the celebration of the Lord's Supper. But let's pray first. And, Just ask the Lord just to move. Father, I I come in just confidence that you hear us when we cry out. God, we want to be a church. We want to be a people, individuals who glorify you in the way that we grow. God, in our maturity and our worship and our love for one another's and one another and then God, in the fact that we reach out to those who are lost.
that we put in, we, we, we understand that God, that you came to rescue the lost and you've sent us to do the same, to, to be your voice in the darkness, to be those who share the hope of Christ to those who are hopeless. And this morning, God, I know that last week as we prayed, we prayed for that one person on our hearts that we don't know about their relationship with you. And this morning, I pray again for those people. I know the, I know the individual that I'm, that, that's on my heart, that's been on my heart for several weeks now. I'm praying that you would open their eyes, that give us an opportunity to share the hope of Christ, to glorify you by reaching out. I pray for that, those individuals that, that live just in, just in that radius around 6111 Casey as we move over to that spot, God, that, that there are those right now who are looking for something and they can't find it anywhere, but what they're looking for is found in a relationship with you. And we pray that you would open their eyes and draw them to yourself. And they would find that relationship with you. Lord, we pray this morning that you would stir in our hearts. Even as we say, God, that that love for one another, but we also understand that that love for you and that love for you is evident in lives that are obedient to you no matter what the cost. And so as we declare that we love you and we, we praise you for the love that you've had for us, we pray that our declaration of love to you would be evident in lives that are obedient no matter what the cost, Lord. It's in Christ's strong and mighty name that we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. Be sure to share this episode with any friends and family in your life who may benefit from it. And make sure you subscribe to be notified so you never miss a sermon. If you are interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast is a part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.